keep going. Um, but the culture around us is shifting. Um, you don't have to be blind to see that. The culture around us is changing. How people are interacting with the church is so much different than it was 10 years ago, especially 20 years ago, and certainly 30 and 40 and 50 years ago. It used to be that the church could open the doors on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, and you didn't really have to do any outreach because you just kind of opened the doors and people would come. And, and that was a great time. People were excited about that. And then, then they decided, hey, the, this Sunday morning stuff's good. So somewhere around the 1950s, we, we saw a movement, especially in a southern culture, where they started going to church on Sunday night as well. They added that second service on Sunday, and they thought, boy, this is good. Two times a week is good. And they kind of had that, if some is good, more is better. And so they started a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And they, woo, we're going to get together, and that's going to be good, and it's going to be great. And, and so the church model that, that we're currently operating in is, is about 65, 68 years old, and and, and the culture has begun to shift from that. The culture has begun to say, in fact, a lot of our worship attenders we see once a week. And so it has forced us as a church to look at how we're operating it and are we being as effective as possible. One thing I struggle with as a pastor is I love to preach. Well, you give me a microphone and a crowd, I, boy, I, whoo, I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. But what is becoming distinctively aware to us as a church, and we, our leadership team has been praying over this, is, is maybe you don't need another sermon. Maybe you need an opportunity to serve. Maybe you don't need to hear another sermon from me. Maybe my jokes aren't that good after all. Um, maybe you need a, an area of which you can plug into. So we, we've been wrestling with this now for about four months pretty heavily and one thing we want to do in 2017 is ask our church members to take one step closer to Jesus this year we're not asking you to to sprint towards him we're not asking you to jump and leap we're one step you could go to the nursery right now right now um Devin and Amy right here you saw her sing their son Christian is learning to walk and it's a cute time for a baby as he's trying to figure this thing out. And he, he's not very stable. And when he goes to take a, it's not a confident step. But as he begins to walk, he, he takes very slow steps. And that's what we're asking you to do. On the screen behind me, you'll see a slide. It's, it's a four quadrants. And this is going to be our heartbeat this year. As we think about what it means to make disciples in our culture and in our church family, we want everybody to kind of move around this pathway. The discipleship pathway is nothing new. Um, it's what Jesus prescribed to us. It's how Jesus said the church should operate. So we're really going to focus in on this, and we're going to make our, our, our church how we're going to operate, uh, form fit in, into this pathway and we're going to try to, our very hardest, make disciples. Our goal, if you ask me, what's your goal for 2017, is to make disciple-making disciples. Um, we can't look at our deacons. We can't look at the church staff and go, it's your job to make disciples. We, what we have to understand is when the gospel came to you, it came to you. And when it got to you, now you're on the team and you're a part of the disciple-making 
ministry. If you have your copy of God's Word, uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. As we think about the discipleship process and, and what God's plan for us is, Peter uh, just pins it out for us. When you find your place in 1 Peter chapter 2, if you will stand for the reading of God's Word. In 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, they long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into your salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, he was rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen as precious. You yourselves are like living stones. You're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Father, bless the reading of your holy and perfect word. Father, may it find a resting place in our soul and in our minds as we think about what it means to, to make disciples and what it means to, as Peter challenged the church, what it means to grow up. What it means to develop as a spiritual babe into a disciple-making follower of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray uh, in this room, God, that you would draw us near. You draw us close to you, Father, and that, that we would catch urgency for this, but also we would catch the excitement that comes with it. Bless our time today in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. So as you, as you look at that, that four-quadrant picture that we had up there, the, the kind of teal part, the, the greenish-looking one, it, it says to know God. Our, our very first focus in the pathway is that we're believers. You can't, you can't bring somebody in on something that, that you're not currently in on. You can't make a disciple if you yourself aren't currently a disciple. So as we think about knowing God, we have to know Him as our Lord and Savior. This is the very platform that we build everything off of. If you're not a, currently a believer in Christ, our, our greatest heartbeat would be that you would make that decision to follow Jesus. It will be the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. As we think about the pathway today, I want us to look at it at two different lenses. Two different lenses. I want us to look at it on a personal level and then how this pathway, uh, how it works in our church on a corporate level. So you're going to see that in some of the slides that come up in some of our notes this morning. So as we think about to know God, as we think about it personally, what we're declaring is that we've given our lives to Christ. We've laid down our authority and we have now submitted to live under the Lordship of Christ. We, we have, we've decided that, that following the Lord is way better for us. We, we've made that decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. We, we declared that. We have made him Lord of our lives because he's Lord whether or not we ever announce it or not. Some of us are going to get to heaven and the first time we ever announce the Lordship of Christ is when that, when that scary part in the Bible when it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. We don't want to wait to that day. We're submitting now to the Lord. And I promise you when you Submit to the Lord. It's worth following. Amen? Amen. Come on now. Come on. Amen. 
Some of you look like caged birds. It's time. You've been out now. You're outside. You're not locked up in the house anymore. We're talking about Jesus. Come on. on. We're talking about loving, submitting to the Lord. And I promise you, the, the, the Peter, what he, he said, he said, haven't we tasted and seen that the Lord has good? Anybody in here today can give a witness on how good God is today? Anybody at all? God's been awful good to us. He redeemed us. He saved you. You were going down a path you couldn't help yourself. God stepped in and did something for you that you couldn't do. God interrupted your funeral procession to redeem you, my friend, so that we could have life. As we think about knowing God, we personally submit to him. On, a, on the corporate side of that, what we're confessing is that we're going to be here when the doors are open. We're going to be at our weekly gathering. We, we long to be here. What we're looking for is committed followers of Christ. Referenced how the church culture has changed. There was a day when you didn't miss church. You didn't miss Sunday church. Some of our more experienced adults, some of you with that proper majestic color hair, you remember a day when you didn't miss church. You didn't miss it. You were there. You, you had a drug problem. You were drugged there. You were, you were brought to church. You, you were there in attendance no matter what happens. My, my wife, her granddad was the pastor of their church, and her dad was the chairman of the deacons. She didn't miss church growing up at all. Didn't matter what was happening. Didn't matter what, what was going on. But now we look at the church culture, and we think, my goodness, it, it, what else can we place on Sunday that's going to draw people away? What else can we put there that are going to draw people away? Because it used to be where, where nothing happened, especially for teenagers, in the school setting on Sunday. Nothing happened at all. That day was off. Now that day is no longer sacred. We, we try to block in maybe a church time, but we're still so busy. We're so busy. Followers of, of Jesus come to the place on Sunday where we go, hey, nothing else takes precedent today. Nothing else takes precedent today. We're going to worship. We're going to worship. Because listen, I don't care how much you like football or basketball. I don't care how much you like NASCAR, all that stuff that could happen on Sunday. My friend, listen to me. They all make very crummy gods. They all make very crummy gods, and they will certainly let you down. But as we think about knowing God corporately, we should long to be here. We should long to be here. A lot of my friends are pastors. A lot of them were posting on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram about canceling service. No, we weren't canceling today. I didn't care if it was just me. We were coming because I want to be here. I want to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to worship. I, it's, it's something bigger than me. It's not about what we, it's not about songs. It's not about that. It's about declaring the lordship of Christ with my brother. Well, listen, when we walk into this place, we've been, we've been working with Jesus all week. When we walk in this place, my friend, it's a celebration of the Holy Spirit. We should walk in excited and longing to worship. Boy, we should walk in with smiles. We should walk in with such a passion that the greeters just, whoo, my goodness. It should start in the parking lot. It should start in the car. When you wake up on Sunday morning, you ain't screaming at the gate. You ready to worship. Amen. Satan's going to give you every excuse not to be here, though. Satan's going to give you every excuse not to be a part of us. 
You wake up on Sunday, and for some reason, the kids can get up at 6 a.m. every day except Sunday. You know what I'm talking about? And you're dragging them in. And Satan, listen, you're going to get out and try to crank the car, and you're going to get that click, 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 click. Listen, he's going to throw every odd, but my friend, we should have a passion because we know God. We should have a passion for, for being there with him. And let nothing separate. And I know vacations happen. I know sickness happens. But listen, my friend, we make priority to Jesus. Hey, we're going to be there. We, we believe in the risen Savior of Christ. And we want to worship with those people who are like minds and believe just like us. Boy, well, Sunday morning, that should be the best day of your week. So we transition out of the knowing God quadrant, and that one's so big, and that's where most people find themselves. Is they're, they're morning attenders. They, they show up. But they haven't really put action to it. The, the second quadrant that we find ourselves in is finding community. This one is, is a first step for many believers. You, you come to know Christ, and you've accepted him, but as we think about finding a community, finding a body of believers that, that we're going to zoom in on, some of you are deer hunters, now we're turning Turning the optics of the scope, we're, we're not all the way in, but we're looking a little closer now when we're, we're finding community. What that means for us is, is we're longing to be around people who love Jesus. Uh, finding community is for somebody who looks at their morning worship experience and goes, that's not enough, I want more. That's not enough, I want more. Personally for us, it's that very thing that we're looking and longing for more spiritually. We're just not satisfied with that hour of worship on Sunday. We, we, we've now transitioned from, from the worship experience to now we're looking for something else with, with this body of belief. We love the church. We love being here during that hour of worship, and it's good. But man, if I could get a little more, if I could get in a smaller group, if I could get what this looks like for us is, is maybe a Sunday school class or, or here in a couple of weeks, you're going to hear us launching some small group classes. It, it's, I want to get in those. I want to get plugged in on, on a smaller level where it's just me and, and maybe 10 people, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to go through a Bible study. We're going to spend time praying together. We're going to spend time in the Word, and we're going to care about each other. You're going to hear this phrase, living life with one another. You're going to hear all of these things about being sharpening iron in community, what it looks like for us on a corporate level, how this revolutionizes our churches, is that it gives us a desire for fellowship in a community with other believers. It gives us a desire for fellowship. This is more than just shaking hands for a few minutes on Sunday morning, but it's desiring to be with the people that are growing in the Lord. It isn't growing. It, when you get excited about something, you're going to tell somebody. You're going to, you don't just get fired up about something and keep it to yourselves. James is looking at buying a fire truck. He's been talking to me about it all Sunday morning. He, well, he's just excited. We get excited about something and we just keep going and we just want, we, we're going to tell people about it. This is when you just, you desire that fellowship and you long for that community. I'm talking about a brotherhood that's closer than anything else. A brotherhood that you long to be a part of. You, you can't wait to get in this circle and talk about Jesus. Because what we've understood as a church, what I've understood as a pastor is that discipleship doesn't happen in pews. Discipleship doesn't happen in pews. It happens in circles. It happens in circles. And you're, you're looking at me like, what do you mean by that? I can't disciple you from up here. I can't. There's too many of you and there's only one of me. But when you and I start getting together, we get another group, we, we, we downsize the room. 
and the people, and we're able to get personal. Jesus didn't disciple his followers because he preached the Sermon on the Mount. He discipled his, father, his followers because after he preached the Sermon on the Mount, he was able to walk with these 12 disciples. And he was able to talk with them about what he just said. He was able to inject in their lives and, and, and he was able to correct some of their, their doctrine. Because you remember, the, the disciples weren't the brightest bulbs. God didn't always come to the smartest people and say, tag, you're in. In fact, he often came to those who, who were incompetent, not, not able. And, and God said, that's, that's, that's my people. That's who I'm looking for. That's why he chose me. But as we develop community, it develops a heart because what we understand is iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. We believe that wholeheartedly. As we gather with brothers and sisters in Christ, as we gather, especially with those who are a little more mature than us, who are a little more advanced than us, and they begin to pour into us, it, it challenges us. I tell you what, when you get around somebody who loves Jesus, and I'm talking about, boy, they just love every time you get around, woo, they on fire for Christ. You want to be around them. Yeah, it challenges you to want to be more like Christ. It challenges you to, to want to walk better, to want to read better, to study harder, to, to, to progress more. Remember what Peter said? He doesn't, he doesn't want us in that babe form. That the desire of God for us is spiritual maturity, is to grow up. We do that when iron sharpens iron. The third portion, as we move from that community we move to the place where we begin to make disciples. So we begin to make disciples. This portion of the quadrant is when things get awkward and it's also the one that few people engage in. It's also the one that few people engage in. This transition requires action. This requires action. Up until this point, you have been the recipient of something. But at the great commission at the great commandment at the heart of both of those requires an action it requires action no longer are we sitting here just absorbing and eating but there comes a part where we have to get in the game where we have to get in the game it's the transition from fanhood to follower we're no longer just sitting there absorbing and liking what we're hearing, but we're willing to put our life on the line and say, this is going to be worth it. The disciple-making process, as you read in the Bible, is messy. It's messy because you're dealing with life. The discipleship process, now the scope is zoomed in a lot tighter, and now your, your audience of people, what we're longing for is people who are making disciples in, in small groups, three to five people who are longing to read the word and, and trust in the Lord and, and follow after him. Personally, it means for us investing into other people. It will stretch your faith when you do it. It will stretch you when you start investing in people. Uh, you're, you're going beyond more than just a social contract. You're going beyond more than just, hey, how are you? But now you're intentionally investing in people. One thing we have to do as the church, listen to me. If you ain't heard nothing yet, you think I'm just rambling up here. One thing we have to do as a church as we progress is invest in other people. It takes you. It takes you investing in other people for us to make this thing work. It, it, it takes us pouring our lives into others. 
The process will develop in you a love for people as you watch them develop in their faith. Well, you'll love people like never before when you get on fire for Jesus. You'll love people like you didn't know you could love people. You'll love people like Christ sees them. Listen, will people let you down? Absolutely. Will people hurt your feelings? Absolutely. But when you see them as somebody that you're going to aid in molding, aid in helping them develop, it changes your perspective. Because for the first time, you'll start to see people like Jesus sees people. It'll change our culture. If we buy into the disciple-making pathway, the culture of this church will change drastically. It'll change drastically. What does this look like corporately for us? Well, it, it, first of all, it puts us in the place that we're following the teachings of Jesus in the Great Commission. We're following the teaching. We're following what Jesus said to when he said, I'm giving you all authority on heaven and on earth. Go make disciples of all nations. He said, I'm giving you that authority. Now you go do it. When we get busy making disciples, we're doing the very thing that Christ left for us to do. We're doing the very thing that Christ aided us, empowered us, gave us the ability, the very thing that he's called us to. Now we are doing it. But also, we're preserving the gospel for future generations. We're preserving the gospel for future generations. If we're not careful, my friend, the Bible will become a book that old people read. If we're not careful, the Bible will be something that's outdated, put on a shelf, and nobody ever intakes. It's only when we begin to disciple people that, that this thing becomes real. That this thing becomes real. We have to be cautious about the next generation who's coming up. Because right now, they're the most unchurched generation ever. We have to be able to disciple them, mold them, aid in their developmental process so that they see and taste that the Lord is good. It becomes more than their grandparents' theology, but it's something that, that has been invested into them for future growth and development in their life. I'm scared that if we don't get active in this one, if we don't get super intense in this area of making disciples, we're going to lose our culture to Christ. We're going to lose it. Fewer and fewer people are engaging. Fewer and fewer people are investing. And yet it's the very thing that Christ has called us to do. The last part of the process. So say you have... You've come to know God and you have found community through a life group, a small group, or Sunday school... And you've gone through the disciple-making process. And we, we, we have resources and we have people who right now are currently doing these things that we would love to, we would love to equip you. If you're sitting here going, to, well, how do I get there? We want, we want to aid you in that. We want to be there with you in that. We want to help you get from one step to the next. And, and so don't, don't fear that. Don't fret that. But as we, as we make our way to the bottom gold section, we change the world. We change the world. When we begin to get serious about discipleship, we'll change our culture. We'll change the whole thing. What would it look like if Pinson, Palmerdale, Clay area, wherever you live, what would it look like if that area got discipled? What would your family look like if they were intentionally discipled in the Lord? What would your house look like if mama and daddy were both discipled in the Lord? It would change the culture. 
That's what we're talking about. Changing the very culture that we know. Personally, this means we take part in the gospel ministry. We take part in the gospel ministry. You spend your time serving, loving, and going. Very few people knock on your door anymore and ask you about Jesus. We're going to have to go look for them. We're going to have to go look for them. For some of us, that means we're going to have to go knock on doors. For some of us, that means we're going to have to have gospel conversations with our coworkers, with our children, with the parents we sit next to on the bleacher every night of the week. We have to get past the small talk and engage people in gospel conversation. We have to be willing to, hey, is it going to be awkward? Probably. You're going to feel uncomfortable about it? Probably. But as you work that muscle, as you exercise that muscle of evangelism, it will become natural to you. It will become like second nature. You'll see people, and you, you, the first, instant you, first thing you want to ask them, before you ask them how their day is, how their grandchildren are, the first thing you want to ask them is, hey, do you know the Lord? When Katie's dad, when his cancer went terminal, he became one of the greatest soul winners of a man I've ever met in my life. He would make you uncomfortable just being with him because, boy, it didn't matter who it was. Didn't matter who it was. He'd look at him and like he didn't believe in small talk at this point. He was getting straight to it. He'd look, it didn't matter if you were in a restaurant, waiter at the bank, if it was your bank teller, the pest control guy that came by the house, the UPS guy, FedEx guy, USP, didn't matter who it was. The, hey, I've got cancer. I'm dying. When I die, I'm going to heaven. Do you know Jesus? If you died right now, are you going with me? That's how we started the conversation. Like I had I get secondhand awkwardness. Anybody else suffer from that? Like, if there's an awkward situation, I, I kind of get awkward, too. And, and boy, I t- he didn't care. He, he said, hey, hey, my days are numbered. And that number's coming up quick. We got to make sure everybody we know knows Jesus. We shouldn't have to wait till we get to a point in life where death is near before we get serious about Jesus. He's not the safety net that will catch you. He's the life worth following. He's the life worth following. Corporately, this means we become a disciple-making church reaching the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. Become a disciple-making church. I don't know where you're at on this quadrant. Most people will find themselves in, in the first two. Maybe you come to church pretty often, but maybe you're just kind of halfway there. What, will it, what would it take for you to commit what would it take for you to say, hey, I tell you what, we're going to get serious about Jesus. What would it take for you to get into that community stage where you plug into a Sunday school class or a small group? What does that take? What, what, what are you willing to do to follow Jesus a little closer this year? Maybe you've made resolutions. Maybe you've already broke those resolutions. But what if we committed ourselves before the Lord to say, God, I'm going to get serious about you this year. Long before we do anything else, long before we make any other promise, what if we committed to the Lord to take one step? If you're in that no God section, I'm not asking you to run down to the change the world section. You're not ready. You're not ready. If you're in that no God section, the, the most important thing you could do is plug into a small group. 
Because in that small group, you get accountability. In that small group, you get conversation. In that small group, you're going to be sitting there in a room with people who have been saved for a long time, and some of them had not been saved for a long time at all. And when you get in that place, you're all going to grow, and it's a melting pot, and it's good. And maybe you find yourself there. You say, hey, we're in a Sunday school class now. Or we've already, we've already said we're going to be in small groups when they launch here in a couple of weeks. But man, we'd like to go a little deeper. That's good. We get a small group. It's good. But I want intentionality. I want to get in this disciple-making business. What would it take for you to take that step? That step of saying, you know what? It's been good to be in this melting, eclectic part of Bible study and small group life, all caring about each other, loving on each other, growing in the process of of being a believer. But I'm going to get intentional about disciple making. I want somebody to disciple me intentionally, and I want to be be a disciple maker intentionally. What would it take for you to get to that step? And if you're there, if you're already in that disciple making component, what is it going to take for you to change the world? Because see, the beautiful part about our pathway what we've been praying about and what we've been cautious about and what we've been so concerned about is we, we, we read First Peter 2 and we read Peter say that so many of you are on the milk and we want you to grow up. We want you to grow up. It, it, it's the part where, where we go from this milk ingestion to, to now we're at the meat and the potatoes of the gospel. Now, now we're at the part where, where we're going to chew on it. It's actually, what's it going to take for us to get there? And then how do we get more people involved in the process? As you become into that last quadrant, you begin to change the world. And it doesn't happen specifically in that. It can happen in all three. When you get to that change the world component, you're going to be a disciple making an evangelistic machine. Everywhere you go, you're going to be engaging people in the, in the gospel. You're going to be pressing them to come to know the Lord. And guess what happens when they come to know the Lord? They just took the first step in the discipleship pathway. You're bringing people through the same process that you came through. Because where we have failed you as church leadership over the last two decades is we've made it very comfortable and easy for you to come in, sit down, listen, and leave. And we haven't done you any favors in doing that. What we have to do, and in 2017, what we're going to be ultra-focused on is how to make a replicable disciple. To make a disciple who can replicate other disciples. To make a church member who walks through the process and at the end of the process says, I'm going to find people to walk through the same thing I just did. Because when you get serious about that, your life will change for the gospel. When you get serious about the pathway, you'll follow Jesus a little closer. So today, maybe, maybe you're looking at that and you're going, I don't know where I fit in. I don't know that I've ever accepted Christ. I don't know that I've ever, I don't even know that I'm in the, the pathway. I don't even know if I'm in step one. Don't go home today without it. You can't complete the pathway if you're not a believer. Step one is knowing God. Do you know him today? And maybe, maybe today you realize, you know what? I've been hung up in, this, in a certain quadrant now for decades. I need to get serious about moving. Can I, can I encourage, especially my, my senior adults today? I love, listen, yeah, my heart, I, I, my body was built for senior adult ministry. I love it. I hate staying up late. I like getting up early. I, I love our senior adults. They're, they're rowdy. I love them to death. But one thing that often happens in senior adult ministry 
and this isn't a knock on our senior adults because I don't think we have any here. But what will happen if we're not careful is we become retired Christians. And I've read the Bible from cover to cover and I don't see any in there. There's never a retire. We never stop. We never stop. We're always working for the kingdom. Now your job title may change. What you do may change, but we're always serving. Wherever you are, what is it going to take for you to take a step? that's come to Christ for salvation, if that's join our church, if that's surrender to the Lord, if that's uh, repenting for, for laziness or idleness, whatever you need to do today, we're going to open up this, this, this altar for you to come pray on, for you to serve on, for you to follow Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you for allowing us to be part of the ministry.